aren't you thankful? Not by anything that we have done, but it's because he's God, because he's faithful. Amen. Let's just turn to him in prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity once again tonight, Lord, to break up the midweek. Lord, to come and just gather ourselves to draw strength in our times of difficulties, Lord. Father, we have dressed ourselves in battle apparel, and we come tonight to hear from the Word of God. And we just asked, oh God, as you had visited us time and time again, God, you've been ever so faithful to your people. And we just invite you right now, Lord, come. Father, and loose the lips of the minister to speak the words of life. Lord, and not only that, but loose the ears of the hearer to receive, Father. We thank you for this opportunity tonight, Lord. And Lord, we don't want to draw any credit to ourselves, but we want to give you all the honor and the glory and the praise. And, and we pray, Lord, you'll just be the speaker tonight. Move now, Father. Those here locally, those on the stream, God, may your Holy Spirit just go out to them and minister to their needs tonight. For we ask these things now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. If you have your Bibles tonight, we're going to turn to Psalms 34. And as you're turning there, just want to say we're glad to have Brother Tim, Brother Timothy and their families home. Now, come on, we can do better than that. We're glad to have our pastor and our assistant pastor and their families home. Amen. I've sure enjoyed the word of God this past Sunday. Brother Aaron did an outstanding job and you're just so thankful. We've got a, a wonderful ministry here. Uh, you know, when... When the first string and the second string are out being used, God's able to still feed his flock. And we're so thankful that we can be a part of that. And we sit under a great ministry and great leadership. And we sit under the Holy Spirit tutelage. And we thank the Lord for that. But we look here in Psalms 34 and verse 19. And the Bible was tell us that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. You can have your seats this evening. And I want to speak to you once again on God does impossible math. Uh, I hope you're not tired of hearing that. Obviously, you can't be. Um, But we want to look at God's purpose will not be defeated, part two. So, And I want to kind of focus maybe a little bit. You'll hear me chime in here on unbroken. We spoke last time on God's purpose not being defeated. But I want to kind of draw an emphasis this week on, you know, God's purpose will not be defeated, but his people will not be broken. God's purpose will not be defeated, but his people will not be broken. You will remain unbroken by whatever this life can throw at you. And we find here that the Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous. And that word affliction there means bad times. It means disagreeable times, malignant times, unpleasant pain, unhappiness, misery, displeasing. Now, how many of us can testify that we have faced those times in our life? We have faced those times of affliction when things were not going our way and and, and times of difficulty. And it seems like every day you woke up was a bad day. But we also find the scripture would tell us, but the Lord delivered him out of them all. So no matter what you're facing in this life, no matter what the journey that you're on, and no matter what the difficulties that you're enduring right now, God is going to deliver you from your present condition. Where you're at right now is not an eternal condition. It's not, any, it's not your earthly condition that you got to stay in this situation for an indefinite period of time. But God will deliver you from that. As we heard last week, that God let Job be purged so he can bless Job. And I believe God has got a people on the earth that is going to allow them to be put to the test to prove to the devil that this bride will not fall like that first bride fell. 
So no matter who you are, no matter how good of a Christian you are, we all have afflictions. We all go through trials. Even the rankest sinner has good days and bad days. I remember when I was out in the world, I had good days, I had bad days. And no different for us being a believer, we have good days, we have bad days. None of us are free from the pressures and hardships of this life. Satan does not care who you are. He does not care whose you are. But we find we have a promise as a believer, though, that God's going to deliver out of them all. Brother Bradham would tell us in the message, the un, uh, be certain of God. He said, this body that we dwell in perishes regardless of how it's taken care of. But it's the soul that's in man. It's a condition of the spirit that moves into the presence of a living God. Now, we take this body, some of us, we take our bodies every day and we take it to the gym. And we put it through rigorous work. And we, we're lifting weights. We're pumping iron. We're trying to max out. And, man, we're doing all these things. And we're trying to define and sculpt our muscles. Come on, some of you young brothers. We do this. But at the end of the day, when your life is over, you're going to perish. Your body is going to perish. This body is going to perish. And some of you, maybe you don't feed it. Uh, the weights, but maybe you're feeding it herbs and vitamins and, and all these other things. You got a healthy diet that you're on, and yet the body still gets sick. It's still going to perish. But it's the soul that's received the Spirit of God that will never perish. So no matter what happens to this outward man here, it's the inward man that we're concerned about. This outward man is going to face difficulties. This outward man is going, you're going to wake up and there's going to be days that this body that you dwell in is going to embarrass you. It's because every day is going to be a day that it gets more crippled and more, uh, more, more aches and pains and different things of that nature. But it's the soul of man that's been occupied by the baptism of the Holy Ghost that'll take a man from the, this earthly realm that we're living in now and bring you up into a heavenly atmosphere to where this body will never die. And that's what we're longing for. That's what we're looking for. But the prophet of God said, you got to be certain of God. When you're in your hard times, when you're in your difficult stages of life, when you're cleaning out sewer pits, things of that nature, and it's all backed up for 300 feet, you got to believe in God that and be certain that he is, that God brought you to that trial, God brought you to that mess, and not only did he bring you to it, but God is going to bring you through it, and you're going to be a better Christian when you get to the other side. He says, when we've done what we know is right, when you've met his requirements, when you've confessed and made right and done restitutions and laid it before God, I don't care how silent he is, he's still God. Yes. Now, how many of you have ever been in that trial and you prayed and prayed and prayed and it seems like God remains silent? God just doesn't answer. God, I mean, come on. I'm your servant. I'm your son. I'm your daughter. I go to church. I serve you. I get up. I have my devotion, my quiet time. And yet it seems like God is a hundred million miles away and he's silent. That's when you got to be certain that he's God. That's when you got to know that it's not based on what you do, but it's based on who he is and what he says he will do. He says, you've done your works. Now he wants to see your faith by your works. He wants to see what you will do. If you've been anointed and prayed for, God's waiting to see 
what you'll believe about it. Not run up next Sunday and run the next day until the next healer comes through the city. He's waiting to see your reaction on your faith. Not walk back the next day and say, well, I feel so bad. You know, you come up for prayer and things don't get any better. Come the next service and first thing you want to do, the, you come up for prayer and you come up for prayer and you come up for prayer. God is ready to test your faith. Believe on the first prayer that he's God and he heard you. You don't have to keep making trips to the altar to get prayed for. Just trust God. And that's what the prophet of God is saying here. You don't got to wait till their favorite preacher comes or, or the next healer comes in. No, believe God. Be certain that he's God. Believe his promise. If they lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. That's the word of God. It's an eternal word. And it has promises. If you can just have the faith to latch hold to it, God will not fail you. He says, you've been prayed for. Well, I feel so bad. I don't guess I got healed. He says, you're not fit for the prayer line in the first place. You're not right. You're not ready yet. You don't believe that he's God. First thing you do is walk away and I want to quit. Nobody understands me. They don't understand my plight. They don't understand what I'm going through. If they just knew what I was going through, maybe they would. It doesn't really matter. This is not the time to quit. This is not the time to walk away. This is not the hour to give up. This is the time to hold the line. This is a time to fight harder than you've ever fought in your life. Because we're about to break through and enter into the heavenlies. This world can't go much further, church. I don't know if you've been paying attention to what's going on all around us. And I'm not here to talk about politics. But for crying out loud, this ain't the place for the believer to remain in. Nor do we want to stay here. But we find the conditions are getting just right. So that the people will cry for a savior. They'll cry out for a deliverer. Lord, deliver us from this Egypt that we're in. We don't want to stay here another minute, God. But come and take us. He says, when you openly confess that God is the same God in your life, applied in his hands to be Lord, I am the clay, thou art the potter, then ask what you will. Faith will never move. It'll stand right there. Those circumstances seem to fall from right and left. But that faith never moves because you're certain that he's God. And if he's God, he keeps his promise. He can't make a promise and break it. If he's God, he's got to keep his promise. I think we have had in this hour a perfect example that's been laid before all of us. And I know we we go to it often, but I think we have to because he was given a commission or he was given a promise. If you will trust me with your life, I will use you like never before. How many could God ask you that question? And every Sunday you stand behind the pulpit and you preach with such passion, such power, such anointing, such a glow across your face, not down in the dumps, not in the mully grubs. Not woe is me, but you're preaching a people up, building their faith up that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. 
And he, there he is in a condition. I listened to Sunday service and Brother Round was just going on about the ordeal that he had on Thursday at the, the doctor's office. It was one of the worst ordeals he's ever faced. And he left, and I hope he doesn't mind, but he left the hospital crying like a baby. Just got in the car and began to bawl to Sister Connie. And yet stood there on Sunday morning. And you would never know what kind of week he had. Because why? He was certain who God was. When God gave him a promise, Ron Spencer, if you will trust me, with your life. I will use you like never before. And I believe that even the light tabernacle. And the bride around the world. Can testify. They have seen the hand of God. Move this man and use this man. Under such a special anointing. For what? To declare to you church. No matter how bad it gets. God is still God. And nothing that the devil will do. Will defeat God's purpose. And the bride of Christ. Will not be broken. She will not be broken no matter what test she goes through. How severe cancer is. She's unbreakable. She's unbroken and she will remain unbroken by the effects of Laodicea. He says, oh, how Satan likes to throw that at you. Why? You're no better than you were when you were anointed. How many's ever told you that slipped in on Monday morning? Because you were still feeling the... The difficulties of life. And you woke up and it seems like nothing changed. Well, you're no better off than when you were when they prayed for you, when they anointed you. You're no better off than when those preachers prayed for you. Them preachers ain't right in the first place. You know how Satan will tell you that? You know I mean, come on. You get to know Brother Joe, you know his good side, his bad side. Don't amen that. But you begin to realize that we're all human. And we all have human tendencies. There's no cherubims here tonight. Some of you look like cherubims, but we know the truth. But we find, he, and the devil would try to put that over. Well, well, I've seen him act like this, so I guess his prayer doesn't work. And those preachers not right to begin with. The, brother, the prophet of God will tell us, it doesn't matter about that preacher. It's your faith in the living God what mounts. See, it's your faith to believe that God gave the promise. God's obligated to the promise. See, it's not what the preacher is. It's what God is. The preacher never made the promise. God made the promise. It's not up to the preacher. It's up to God and your faith to believe what he says. And for Ron Spencer, he said, if you trust me with your life, I will use you like never before. Look, when he had his first chemo treatment, he didn't give up. He didn't walk away, though he may have felt that way. But he's standing the test. He's holding the line. What is he declaring? He's declaring to the body that this message works, church. It'll keep you in your bad times. It'll keep you in your breaking point. But you can't be held by broken chains. You won't be held. Because God is holding you already. The Bible will tell us in Romans 4, 16, speaking about Abraham. And we ended last Wednesday on Abraham and Sarah. We'll pick back up there just for a minute. I'm not going to go into great detail like we did last time. But therefore, it is a faith that it might be by grace. And this is uh, 4 and verse 16. To the end that the promise might be sure to all the seed. That includes you. Not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. 
before him whom he believed, even God who quickeneth the dead. Notice now, and Abraham, speaking of, he calleth those things that were not as though they were. You know how hard that is? Do you understand how difficult it is to call those things that are not as though they are? When you get up and your body is ravishing in pain to claim that you're healed. My father-in-law, Jerry, showed many of you remember, Brother Jerry. Every day he woke up and every time we was around him, the man fought for every breath to breathe. And yet every minute every of every day, he said, thank you, Lord, for healing me. That was his confession. He never confessed the waywardness. He never, or not waywardness, but he never confessed the results that he was feeling in his body. And in his his dying breath, he still trusted God because he was certain that the one that did a work in his life will hold him in his final moments. And Abraham, here he was. He called those things that were not as though they were against hope. He believed in hope. It'll do us good to believe a little bit tonight. Maybe the trials that you're going through, you can believe that he's God and be certain that he is God. Then it may make the the, the cares and the the worries and all the the things that you're going through maybe just be so trivial and just dissipate away. But he was against hope. He believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And in verse 19, and being not weak in faith, he considered not the deadness of his own body. Here he was, 75 years old, already five years past the allotted time, and yet God gave him a promise at 75. Abraham, you're going to have a son. Not only are you going to have a son, I'm going to make you the father of nations. This man, all he did look down and his knees hurt, his back hurt. He had prostate troubles. I mean, he had all kind of difficulty. He was 75 years old, but he trusted God. Oh, it looked unreasonable. It looked foolish, but God gave the promise. And God doesn't care about your age. God doesn't care about your condition. God's determined. Do you serve me? Will you believe me? I'll give you the promise. Will you trust me with your life? I'll use you, little bride, like never before. I'll declare to Laodicea. I'll have a young person that arise above pornography, that arise above oh, video games and worthless living. They'll rise above the cares of this life. Being not weak in faith, being not tossed about by every little wind, every little difficulty, every little trial. I'm not making light of your trial. I'm just making big who our God is. Because I believe we face difficult moments. We all have been there. And if we're not there, we're going to be there. But see, Abraham had a lot of things working against him. His age was working against him. The frailness of his body was working against him. The deadness of Sarah's womb was working against him. Sarah's unbelief not able to see herself in the promise was working against him. Yet the Bible says he staggered not. He looked away from his body, Brother Aaron. Doctors can't figure it out what's going on. He looked away from it and he looked to the promise. He looked away from the nagging wife. 
Couldn't see herself in the promise. He looked away from that and said, God, no matter what I believe, you said, I'm going to have a son. And you said it's going to come by Sarah. He staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And maybe you're here tonight and, you know, there's a lot of things that you're facing. Maybe the doctor's report is against you. Maybe your health is working against you. Maybe your age is working against you. Maybe unbelief and doubts are working against you. Maybe the thoughts of your past and past failures are working against you. Maybe it's reasoning and nervousness they are working against you. But instead of looking at all these things that are working against you, how about look at who's working for you? And if God be for you, little bride, then nothing can be against you. Oh, Brother Joe, you don't understand. I don't have to understand. I got a great big God that understands. I got a great big God that knows the blueprint of my life. And he knows he's brought me here. But that ain't my final resting place. God is going to bring me into a heavenly atmosphere. God is going to bring this body, though it be frail and crippled. He's going to come one day and change it back to a young man. That's the promise of God. The Bible will say that Abraham was fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able to perform. Oh, he's the same God today, Brother Hale. He's still able to perform. And therefore, it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now, it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also. You're included in the promise with Abraham. With Sarah, no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, you got to be fully persuaded. Fully persuaded. God, thank you. I know what I used to be, I know what I used to do, I know the life I used to live. And I can tell you, Satan didn't transform that life into this life. So it can only tell me and declare to me that God, you that started this work, it was your handiwork and we're the craftsmanship of your hand and we know that if you started it, you're going to bring it all the way into the perfection that you had in your thoughts, in your mind. And that's where we're headed. Brother Brown will say, faith is ridiculous to everybody but God and the one that has it. Faith is ridiculous. They don't see what you see. They can't see what you see because you look past what the eye can see. You, you, you feel past what the body feels. And you look, you look to the promise. You look to the one that gave the promise. Oh, the believer that receives it, it isn't ridiculous to him. Because why? Because by it's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things that you can't see, taste, smell, feel, and hear. But he knows it's there. It's not ridiculous to him because why? It's just as good as done. God said it. I believe it. And that settles it. I don't have to debate with the devil about it. I don't have to argue God's point. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. The case is closed. Dismissed. So you might as well back off devil. But see, he knows that God told it. Talking about the believer that has faith. And God said it, and that's enough for him. So when you're facing what may seem an impossibility, you know that you know that you know that you know that God still does impossible math. Let me tell you, there's no teacher that's going to come behind him and correct his mathematics. He's got the answer. 
And the prophet of God would come and tell us we had the answer to the devil's question. He's constantly questioning you, putting you to the test to see who you are. We had the answer. The headship has come. Oh, come on, church. We find here, he goes, I like to see somebody to, to take their unbelief and stop the sun. Anybody want to try that tonight? Take your unbelief and stop the sun. He said, by faith, Joshua did. See, but your unbelief will get you nowhere. And we find in Hebrews 11 and verse 11, through faith also Sarah received strength to conceive and was delivered of a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had made the promise. By faith, through faith. So faith is the anchor point, church. You got to look past what you see, what you smell, what you feel, what you think, and you got to have faith. Faith is what ties you to God. And Sarah, she couldn't see herself in the promise, but through faith, she received strength when she judged, declared, considered him faithful. That word judge there means to be the ruler, means to have authority over. To be the chief, leading as respects of influence, controlling in counsel. So when she recognized that God had control of the situation, she then received strength to bring forth the promise. And when you can ever catch the revelation that God is in control of your life, every detail, every Aspect. He's the controlling influence of your life. And though you may be in the worst difficult moment, it's not by mistake. God has brought you there for a purpose. And when you judge him faithful, the blessings will follow. See, it wasn't until Sarah judged him faithful, considered him as the leader, that she was able to conceive and bring forth the promise It wasn't until she declared him to be the chief to have victory over the circumstances of her old age and her body, her paps dried up, her womb dried up dead, not able to give life. But yet when she looked past her body and past the situation and she judged who he was and who gave the promise, that's when she could receive the body change. And when we look past everything that's going on around us, and we look to the one that promised a bridal rapture, and we look past our frailness and our humanity and our disappointments and difficulties, then we too will be made young again. Think about it. 25 years, sleepless nights, long days wrestling with doubts and unbelief. Will I ever bring this baby? Could not ever see herself in it. Daily fighting with depression and anxieties. Satan doing all that he can to hinder the plan of God. Satan doing all that he can to break her and break her will to get her to turn around and walk away. Yet, Satan didn't have enough. See, he was relentless in his assault on Sarah and her mind to keep her from seeing herself in the promise. His purpose was not to break her. Or his purpose was to break her. And it was also the purpose to block the blessing of God. And so she had hardships. Though she had her testing. Though she had her trials. Though she had her difficulties. But when she recognized that she was a part of the promise. There was nothing that could stop that child to come. 
And when you, little bride, recognize that you're tied to this promise, there's nothing can stop you no matter what you're facing. No matter what you're going through, when you recognize that everything that he did, he did it with you in mind. And not only did he do it with you in mind, but he called you his bride. He says, I no longer call you a church, I call you a bride. Let me tell you, that's what he's declared of you tonight. You may see yourself in your sickness, or you may see the fairness of your humanity, and maybe you see your disappointments, but he sees his bride being manifested on this earth through your mishaps. He's called you no matter what. And he's ordained you in this hour to rise above it all. Oh, we're not going to fall, church. We're not going to go down like the first bride went down. We're going up in a body change. We've been seen in a vision. Think about Sarah. Here Elohim comes and visits them in the tent and she laughs at him. And the prophet of God said, Abraham, he had failures. But he couldn't take the church and he can't, he can't kill the elected. Therefore, he can't kill you because you're a part of him. And if he can't kill you because you're a part of him, what do you think the devil, why do we give him clout? Why are we worried about what he can do? If God himself will not destroy us because our union with him, he's not going to let the devil get away with his assaults on his bride. Think about what the prophet of God will tell us in the message, the the revelation of Jesus Christ. And he's speaking about Satan. And he says, now, he knows that if the people get the true revelation of the true church, otherwise you catch the revelation that you're included in this promise. You're the one that's going to receive a body change. You're the one that's going to manifest a work for this hour. When you can see the true church and what she is and what she stands for and that she can do the greater work, she will be an invincible army. Not broken, not defeated, invincible. We have had a vindicated prophet come in this hour, brought us rapture and faith, through a message of grace, tied up the loose ends, revealed the seals that was on the back of the book, and here he's telling you what the devil knows about you. He's declaring to you what the devil knows about you, that some of you, Sarah, can't see yourself in the promise yet. But he knows what's laying on the inside. Oh, and what did he say? He says, now, Oh, I love this. And she can catch that true revelation and discern and withstand that Antichrist spirit. Satan will be powerless before her. There's nothing can break you. There's no ordeal can break you. There's no cancer can break you. There's no loss of loved ones can break you. There is nothing that can break you because you are an invincible army. Undefeatable. But you got to catch the revelation that I'm tied to the promise. God is not complete without you. And everything that he has done, every message that he has sent, every word that's ever been preached by anointed man of God is for that account so that you can see yourself in the promise. Oh, church, you are that invincible army. That's what you are. That's not what you will be. It's what you are now. Now we are the sons of God. 
Now he says he couldn't take Sarah on account of Abraham and he can't take the church on account of Christ. See, in all of the mistakes, it's still his church. That's right. He can't take it because he'd take Christ and she is a part of Christ. She becomes flesh of his flesh, bone of his bone, all of our ins and outs, unbeliefs and so forth and scruples. As long as she's into that body, her ups and downs, the grace of God still holds her. I say, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Though my soul be converted, this frail body has its ups and its downs. It has its good days and bad days. But nevertheless, God still holds it. See, God had a mystery in his mind before the foundation of the world. And we find that. I know we touched on some of this last week, but we're going to touch it on and just keep going forward here. But he said God had a secret, a mystery in his mind. And he says that it's, it, it was a kept secret. Nobody knew nothing about it. Even the angels didn't understand it. And he said that's the one thing that he hasn't revealed yet of how he will come and when he will come. That's the mystery. And we find in Colossians, even the mystery which had been hid from the ages and from generations, but now is made manifest in his saints. There, can you tie this mystery? This great secret that he had, to whom God will make known what is the riches of his glory, of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So the mystery of his coming is his coming in bride form. Through your failures, he's here. Through your disappointments, he's manifesting himself. Through your sickness and frailness of your body, he's manifesting himself a living God. Christ, a mystery. And the prophet of God will say that Christ had a threefold purpose. And the first thing he wanted, he wanted to reveal himself to a people. He wanted to express himself completely, God in Christ. Then second, to have preeminence by this in his church, which is his body, the bride, till he could have preeminence to express himself through them. God's desire is to express himself through your life. And he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Then why do we consider it robbery to be equal with him? He's wanting to express himself through the old, through the young, to the middle age, to the adolescent. God expressing himself. That was his threefold purpose. That's why he allowed the fall because he wanted to be a savior, a redeemer. He wanted to express himself in a way. Then he wanted to restore the kingdom to its rightly position that fell by sin and by the first Adam back to where he walked in the cool of the evening with the people and he talked with them and fellowship with them. God is taking us back to that place. Amen. See, you have been made for a purpose and that's to express or to allow God to express himself in the form of humanity. Christ's secret mystery was his coming in his earthly bride. So you're here tonight and maybe you think, well, I'm just a mistake. Mom and dad told me I was a mistake. You're not a mistake. You may make mistakes, but you're not a mistake. You may fumble, but you're not a failure. You're not some Joe Blow off the street just wandering through life, just barely getting by. God has called you. You're not somebody just happened to hear a message. No, you're ordained, predestinated to hear this message. You are the elect of God, called, chosen, anointed. 
And the prophet of God will say, you are the very heart purpose of God. You are the heart purpose of God. Now, how many of you brothers here really love your wives? You really love your wife. Man, the first time you laid eyes on her, your heart skipped several beats. Think about God. You're the heart purpose of God. Not only did his heart skip a beat, but he left all the glory that he would come to redeem his purpose. Man, what a God. What a Savior. You know, some of you brothers, you may take a bullet for your wife. Some of you, you may not. I don't know. I don't know what kind of wife you're living with, but move on, Brother Aaron said, exactly. But God was willing to stretch his hands out. God was willing to spend three days in hell. God was willing to declare himself the victor and rose again on the third day for you. Because you mean that much to God. That he wasn't going to allow his purpose to be defeated. He wasn't going to allow his bride to get to the last age. And be broken by anything that the devil could do. He was determined that he was going to raise her up. He was determined that he was going to have a bride. Without spot. Without wrinkle. Without blemish. Though she may have human failure. She is perfect. Because he's perfect. And she's tied to him. Oh, what a God we serve. What a God we have in this hour. Oh, church, you may feel like giving up. Don't give up. Hold the line. He's coming. He's there. He's here to lift you up. If you can only realize who you are. That's what I've been preaching to you this service so far in last week. Is to get you to connect yourself to the promise. You can connect yourself to the promise. You'll look away from the, the awful effects of this life. This life ain't getting any better. I mean, come on. Your trial's different than mine. Mine's different than yours. Some of us get sicker than others. But nevertheless, God remains faithful. Faithful. You can trust him when you can't trust anyone else. You can believe that his word is the absolute when you can't believe mama or daddy. Because he will never disappoint you. But you know, God will allow us to go through some very difficult times. What we find in Ephesians 1 and verse 4, he says, According as he has chosen us before the foundation of the world. We have been chosen before the foundation of the world. See, he says, Jesus Christ is choosing his bride just the same as men choose their brides today. The bride today does not simply decide she's going to take a certain man for a husband. Now, I know how I got little girls. I got young girls in my, my home, and you just hear all kind of scuttle. Oh, he's a cutie pie. Uh-huh. Yeah, that boy from North Carolina or that boy from this church or that boy from that church. Oh, he's good looking. Then they start planning a marriage. I'm like, really? <laughs> really? You already got the wedding dress picked out. You already walked down now. He's saying, I do, huh? You done picked him out for yourself. That's not how it works. No, it's the man who's seeking character. He's seeking something that's going to display his heart. Display his affections. Display who he really is. 
He looks for character. He doesn't look for beauty. Beauty's going to fade. But character's going to last forever. It'll remain. And so he's looking for that. And when he finds that, that's when he goes. And he begins to have relationship with and talk to and build a friendship and all these things. And then in time, it becomes a union. And that's what Christ is doing here. He's choosing his bride. His bride is not choosing him. We have been chosen because you reflect something that he sees in himself. Each of you here, though we're different from one another, there's something special about you that's a reflection of his intimate being. You're declaring who he is on earth. So he's chosen you. And let me just go ahead and put you on notice tonight and put the devil on notice. Everything that the devil has done to you, God is not going to let him get away with it. Don't you think for one minute that God hasn't taken notice of what the devil has done to you. The Bible would tell us in 2 Thessalonians 1 and 6, seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. I say, God, pour it out. Well, I want to be sweet to the devil. No, you don't. Punch him for Jesus. As my cousin Philip would say, I'll punch you for Jesus. I'll punch you for Jesus and for Joe. But he says in Exodus 23, uh, 23, 22, but if thou shalt indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an adversary or an enemy unto thy enemies and an adversary to thine adversaries. God is ready to take up arms for his wife. God is not going to let the devil get by with anything that he has done to you. You think you're going to break. You can't be broken, church, because God is not going to allow his bride to break. You may bend. You may feel like giving up. You may feel like throwing in the towel, but God has deposited something on the inside. There's something inside of you. You can't be broken. You're unbreakable in this hour because why? There's been a seed planted on the inside of you, and that seed has got to manifest the very heart thoughts of God. Before you took your first breath, you existed with God. Before you committed your first sin, you, com- you existed with God. Before you ever got sick, you existed with God. And the thoughts of God are eternal. You can't die no more than God can die. See, God took a picture. And I talked about this last week. And I'm going to try to hurry here. He said, in this life is the negative. Where does the negative get developed? In a dark room. Very limited light. Dark room. Has to go through a couple of different solutions. I've done photography. I took a photography course. We had to develop prints. You develop them in a dark room. You put them in a solution. That solution is acid. Some kind of acid. But it brings certain things out of that picture. Otherwise, it would just stay there as a blank piece of paper. And so that's why you go through trials. It's your dark room. But this negative is only declaring there's a positive. He says, now this ain't the real thing. This is only a foreshadow of the real thing that is to come. I don't care what you would do with it. They cannot destroy that profile. That picture is in God's great gallery up there. It cannot destroy. It's in heaven. You could burn it up. You could feed it to lies. Do anything you want to to it. It'll come forth again just as sure as two twos is four. Just as sure as God spoke it, it will come forth. So no matter what you are, 
We are chosen of God. Eternal with God. And his love is elective love. Before either one were formed or born, Esau I hated, but Jacob, little shyster, I loved him. Why would he love a shyster? Because he loved you. Because he loved you. And in Revelations 3 and 19, the Bible would tell us, as many as I love, I rebuke and I chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. And, he's, and Brother Bram will tell us in the Laodicean church, as, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. To rebuke is to reprove. To reprove is to expose with the view of correction. Chasten does not mean it's punished. It does, it's discipline because of subject. Subject's amendment is in the mind. So he says it's not as a form of God's punishing you, but God has chose you. And because God has chose you and he loves you, he's going to allow you to be developed. Because he's got a masterpiece in his mind. And you're going to fit that masterpiece. Through all the trials, through all the sufferings, you're going to fit that masterpiece. Well, Brother Joe, it seems like every time I walk outside, the clouds are shining or the clouds are gloomy and the rain's popping. And it seems like just saying, woe is me, woe is me, woe is me. But the sun is still up there. Ever fly in a plane and you just bust through with dark clouds? And man, it's just glorious. He says, all you got to do is push the clouds back. Push the clouds back because the sun is still shining. The clouds may hide the sun, but they can't keep you from the sun. He's still there. Let me bring this on down here. See, God's got confidence in us. He had confidence in Abraham. He had confidence in Jacob. He had confidence in Moses. He had confidence in Job. He had confidence in Martin. He had confidence in Wesley. He had confidence in Brother Branham. And he's got confidence in you. Because they without us cannot be made perfect. They without us cannot be made perfect. In Romans 8 and verse 35. Who shall separate us? Let's just stop right there for a minute. Give me one excuse. Give me one example of what can separate us from the love of Christ. What can break our fellowship? Come on, you've had a bad day, right? But does that break your fellowship? Does it stop God's love for you? Abraham sinned, told a lie. But on the other side of the book, there never was anything spoken about Abraham's lie. There's nothing can break us. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Shall tribulation, shall distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword. He says, nay, as it is written, we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. But in all things, we are more than conquerors. You, in the frailness of your humanity, are more than a conqueror. You're more than a match to anything that the devil would throw at you tonight. And he says, I'm fully persuaded, or I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And he says, now, and I know my Redeemer liveth. He says, now, we want to draw this first into our mind. There is not one thing that can destroy us until the purpose of he who created us has been fulfilled. 
Death can't take you until God is done with you. Don't fear COVID. Don't fear cancer. Don't fear any of these things. Don't fear death. Because it's only a pawn in the hand of God. One breath out of this dimension is your first in that one. We have nothing to fear. Nothing can separate us. You're here because God made you for a purpose. God made you for a purpose. No matter how little you are, how big you are, how important you are, maybe how unimportant you are, you are here for a purpose and nobody can take your place. Nobody. You need your brother. You need your sister. This church needs you and you need this church. This ministry needs you and you need this ministry. We cannot be substituted. We're here for a purpose. God brought you to this church for a purpose. And nothing, God's purpose can never be defeated. He says, what God has imagined in his mind, what God has purposed in his heart to bring to pass, there is no demon, there is no power, there is nothing can ever separate God's great, immortal, internal plan. It must be as God has said. And he told Matthew, or he told Peter here in the book of Matthew, the gates of hell will batter against it, but they shall not prevail. There was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought, but Michael and his angels prevailed. Satan did not prevail over God and over God's purpose, and neither will he prevail over God's purpose for this hour. Let me bring this down to a close tonight. I want the musicians to start making their way back. See, there's something in our heart tonight that speaks of a land beyond the river. This this place that we live in, this world that we are currently living in, I hope you don't find it as a place of refuge. My, every day is a disappointment. Every day you want to punch your computer screen. You read the news and Fox News and CNN News and fake news and what you don't know is news is news and everybody's saying the same thing. You don't know what to believe. That's why he gave us the good news. That's why he sent us a message. That's why he sent us a prophet. And that prophet came to declare that God's going to have a bride. And nothing is going to defeat that purpose. Nothing is going to stop what God has imagined in his mind. He is going to bring it to pass. God has deposited something. You may go through trials. You may go through your testing times. You may have hardships. But God has confidence in you. Think about this. When you don't have confidence in yourself... God has confidence in you. There was a time that I almost wanted to commit suicide. Actually, probably tried. I don't know if still think about that night. But it was a night I gave my heart to the Lord. I didn't have confidence that I'd make it through the night. But God did. Because God saw this moment. I couldn't see this moment. I didn't know there'd be a ministry. I didn't know there would be you people that I would be rubbing shoulders with 20 years later. But God saw it. And God had a purpose. And though Satan tried to break me, I'm unbroken. And Satan may try to break you. And maybe he has tried to break you. But you're unbroken. I'm going to end with two testimonies tonight.
Many of you may have heard of Corey Ten Boone. I love the World War II. I love the history of it. I, I soak up novel after novel, book after book. I just, what I've been doing. I've read the story, the life story of Corey Ten Boone. And here, her and her father and her sister were thrown into a, a jail. They were actually arrested on February the 28th, 1944, because they hid the Jews in their home. And they had a a Nazi informant that told, told on them and they came and they, they threw Corey Ten Boone in solitary confinement for three months because she was sick and they didn't want her to expose anybody else. But could you imagine being in solitary confinement in a little dark room for three months by yourself? Satan was trying to break her. The Nazis was trying to break her. Generally, people that are left in that situation go insane. They lose their mind. Because it's something in us. My wife is going to smile here to want to fellowship with somebody else. Because we're God creatures. And God wants to fellowship with his offspring. So there's something inside of us to draw us. But to be in that situation for three months. Said the little ants would come out and eat her food and she would play with the ants. Mice would run in every now and then and she would play with the mice. That was her form of keeping herself sane. They transferred her from this jail and they put her in a concentration camp. It was a Ravensbrück concentration camp. It was a work camp for women. And there she had to do hard labor. Maybe beat and punch and things of that nature. She smuggled a little Bible in with her. And you would think, my, why was she in this? She was a believer for what she knew in that day. She was a staunch Christian, godly lady, feared God. They had Bible studies in their home. Her dad was a, a great patriarch there in, in, in Dutch, and in, in wherever they were from. And yet, God saw fit to take this little precious sister and place her in this awful environment, a labor camp, because she was doing something for God, hiding his elected people, protecting them, helping them escape to freedom, to life. Why would God turn his back on her and throw her in a concentration camp and beat her? Allow her to be beaten. Allow her to be broken. But in that cell, in that concentration camp, her and her sister, every evening after a long, hard day's work, they would have Bible studies. And they would begin to go through the scriptures and begin to have Bible studies. And they led over 70 women to the Lord in that concentration camp. What the devil saw fit to do evil, God used it for his good. We find before she was released, her sister Betsy, who had gotten very sick, had a dream. And in this dream, she said that her... And Corey were going to be released before Christmas of 1944. Well, her health deteriorated, and on December 16th, she passed away. But before she passed away, she told Corey, she said, There is no pit too deep that God is not deeper still. I want you to remember that evening, like. There's no trial too hard, there's no pit too deep, but that God is not deeper still. You may be at the lowest of lows, but God's hand can reach down and pick you up. It was said that 12 days later, she was released. 
She was released 12 days later and they determined that it was a clerical error. And just a week after her departure, all the women in her age group were sent to death. God doesn't make mistakes. God placed her there for a purpose. He had seeds from all walks of life that were thrown in that concentration camp to break them. And yet, that's where they found who God was. Your trial, Satan may be using it to try to break you tonight, but you can't be broken. There's another story. Can I go just five more minutes? Another story. Louis Zamberini, a great athlete. He was an Olympian. Started running when he was in high school because he was a derelict. He was a delinquent. He found running as an escape. He uh, uh, was able to run the 5,000-meter race in 1936 in the Berlin Olympics. He finished eighth as a 19-year-old kid running against trained athletes. He had no formal training. He was a high school track star. At 19 years old, he's running. He met Hitler. He met this one. He met that one. And he had the fastest lap that's recorded in Olympic history on his last lap. And yet he entered the Air Force and he became a lieutenant. He served as a bombardier in the the B-24 Liberators in the Pacific War. And they were on a rescue mission and his plane went down. He and two other crewmates survived the crash. They lived on a raft, two rafts, for 47 days. Now, none of you have gone without food for 47 days. None of you have endured the blistering heat, nothing to block it. They didn't have umbrellas. They dealt with heat. They dealt with uh, not having food, the rations. They, they, they went through their rations pretty quickly because they didn't have much. They spent several weeks braving blistering heat, hunger, dehydration, circling packs of, of sharks. They had Japanese, a Japanese bomber come and strafe their rafts and put bullet holes in them. And on day 33, one of the men died. They floated for 47 days until they floated to the Marshall Islands. And they landed on one island that they actually named it the Execution Island because very few Allied captives ever were released to, cap- to freedom. And on this island, they were beat. They endured experimental medical treatment. They injected them with medication, different whatever stuff. And they were had to tell what the effects, what they were going through as that medicine went through their body on three or four different occasions. And they didn't die. Threw them back into a little cell. For six weeks, they endured this kind of treatment until they were finally taken to Turk. There they would go to a, a POW camp. There was a general there, a corporal by the name of, they called him Bird. You can look this up. Because he knew who Louis Zamberini was, that he was an Olympic runner, and he was a fam- kind of famous because he was the youngest. They expected him to beat the four-minute mile. He pummeled Zamberini with clubs, belts, fists. He beat him on a regular basis and threatened to kill him. And one time he was told to hold a board, a log, something kind of like a railroad tie above his head. And if he was to drop it, he'd shoot him on the spot. He held it for 37 minutes. His arms went numb. He blanked out. All he knew was that his hands were up. Until finally, he was told to let it go. On another occasion, 
He received 220 punches in the face by every person in the camp because the bird wanted every prisoner to hit him and strike him in the face. Lost at sea, beat, experimental treatments. He got out of there. He was able to survive to last. He was below 100 pounds by the time that the war was over. And he struggled with PTSD, became an alcoholic, got married, was about to throw his entire marriage away. He couldn't contain, he couldn't control himself. It controlled him. Every night he had dreams, nightmares of this man, the bird, attacking him. And he had dreams of him killing the bird. And his wife in California went to a Billy Graham revival. She gave her heart to the Lord. Very beautiful woman, come from money. You wouldn't expected that. Very wealthy family. And she encouraged him, won't you just come and take in a service? He says, no, I got nothing for religion. But he made God a promise when he was on that raft. He said, Lord, if you get me through this, I'll serve you. If you can get me through this, I'll serve you. And here it was. He finally conceded and said, okay, I'll go. Sat in the back. First night, he didn't move, didn't budge. Came back the next night, Billy Graham began to pull, began to draw. Something drew Louis Zamberini out of his seat. And he come down that sawdust trail, gave his heart to God. The man lived till he was 90-something years old. And I think at this point he was 30. He lived 60-something years for God. Went around the world declaring what God had done for him and won a many a soul for God. Oh, it looked like he was going to break. But God used his captivity. God used his ordeal because God had a purpose and God had a plan. When well, what about your life? God has a purpose. God has a plan. And when you feel that you're at your breaking point, I want you to know one thing. You can't be broken. You can't be held by broken chains either. So if you're feeling overwhelmed tonight, if you don't understand the why behind your life, the trial that you're going through, maybe you feel like the Lord's forsaken you, you feel abandoned, God has a purpose for your trial. God has a purpose. I can't tell you how many times in the wee hours of the morning I get up and have my devotion and I say, God, why? When is it ever going to end? Because we're human. What did I do to deserve this? And if I could hear that audible voice, I believe he would say, if you just trust me, if you would just trust me, I'll use you like never before. I'll use a young boy, a young girl, a mama, a daddy, a grandmother, a grandfather. I'll use you like never before. While Satan is meant for evil, God's declaring it for his good. I got a text last night, my wife did, and I want to read that here this evening. I'm closing with this right here. Several of us 
felt led to break free in the spirit yesterday. This was concerning Sunday service. But we held back, needless to say, that led to a major conviction. And knowing that we grieved the spirit of God. And with that conviction even pressing heavily today on our hearts, this is the strongest desperation that some of us have ever felt. This is your young people. Mama, daddy, grandmother, grandfather, I want you to listen to this text. This is, our, this is our church. This is our offspring. This is our youth. This is what God is doing in our midst. This ain't some fairy tale somewhere else. This is God moving in the evening light tabernacle. This is God moving in a service tonight. With that conviction, even pressing heavenly today on our hearts, this is the strongest desperation some of us has ever felt. We're coming to service Wednesday night with a whole new outlook. I pray we come every day with a new outlook. We're coming with a purpose to cut Satan's head off. You know what? It's about time. You come with that kind of mindset, you'll stop taking the blows of the devil. You'll start giving the blows. We won't be stopped or hold back. No matter who sees or what is said, our praise will not be hindered. You know, I spoke Wednesday, and I believe Brother Aaron may have touched on it a little bit on Sunday. How sometimes the Spirit will come moving by and we sit there and we don't allow ourselves to yield to it. He'll keep on moving. He's going to find somebody that's going to yield to himself. That's going to give him due benevolence. We won't be stopped. We won't be held back. No matter who sees or what is said, our praise will not be hindered. We're coming to slay the enemy and stand for the truth that God deserves complete surrender each and every day of our lives. This young person goes on to say, these words hit me after service and I was shaking very hard and I felt like I couldn't breathe writing this out. I felt for months either in spirit leaning in the building around me and I'm not sure if it was tongues or prophecy, but this hit me so hard that I felt the heat all over my body. My chest was on fire. And the words, I'm limitless, kept repeating to me. And I grabbed my phone and I typed this. I want y'all to hear this. I'm limitless. Talking about God. God speaking to you, telling you he's limitless. You have not because you ask not. I'm limitless. Limitless. You cannot contain me in a building or think that I cannot move when you leave this place. It was said that, I believe it was one night this week, the Holy Spirit fell in two separate vehicles simultaneously at the same time. Not just at Evening Light Tavern, or not just the four walls of this church. He could be moving down the street, Andrew Tushner, and the presence of God come in in the wee hours of the morning. Had to pull over and stop and just throw your hands up and praise God. We've been there. Never forget that night. And some of you young people had that occurrence just this past week. You'll never forget it. You'll not, he says, now this person goes on to say, My hand is in the midst of this, and what I am doing cannot be stopped. You will not stop believing. You will not stop claiming every promise. You will not stop pushing for worship. I am God, and I do not change. Nothing about today or the fear or the negativity changes what I do. And everything that you have been called for, there is no end to what I am doing. There is no end to you. You can't be broken. His purpose will not be defeated. 
I am eternal. Do not box me in this building or move in how you expect me to move. I have not lost today. I have not lost ever. And neither will you. Neither will you. Maybe you're here tonight and you're going through a difficult trial. I want you to know you've not lost. Why don't you just bow your heads? I feel a sweet presence here just now. I know I'm kind of going a little lengthy and I apologize in advance for that, but I believe he's here. I believe this is the time that we can yield ourselves to him and to his presence. Maybe life has thrown you a curveball or handed you, as they would say, a bag of lemons. What do you do with the lemons? You throw them out because you don't like lemons? Or do you take them? Add a little bit of sugar to it and make you some lemonade and have a refreshing, cool drink. Choice is yours tonight. Oh, I, I understand that the difficulties of this life, this tough, but I want you to know you're unbroken. Satan can't break you. He couldn't break Louis Zamberini. He, can't, he couldn't break Corey Ten Boone. He couldn't break Moses. He couldn't break William Branham. When he tried to commit suicide, he couldn't break him because God has a purpose. And God has a purpose for each of you that's here tonight. Last week, God had a special visitation to one of our brothers. I believe God has a very special visitation to some of you here tonight. This is a time to allow yourself to know God like never before. Quit asking God why. Why am I here? Why am I in this mess? Why, am, why is it so hard? Now's the time to praise God. Praise God when you don't feel like praising Him. Praise Him when it's so dark outside. Praise Him when it seems like everything's against you. That door may be closed. Praise God in the hallway until it opens up. This is the time that we praise God. He, don't, he didn't say just praise me in the good times. He didn't say just praise me on your mountaintops. You got to learn to praise God in the valley. Praise God when it gets so tough. Thank God when you don't know what to do. Thank God that, that he's in control of your life. And there's nothing that the enemy can do that can destroy you. Because why? Because you're a child of God. You're an offspring of God. There's not a cancer great enough. There's not a sickness strong enough. There's not a depression that's, that's able to take you tonight. Because why? Because God is holding you in the palms of his hand and he's here to assure you tonight that there is nothing that will stop you Father we thank you Lord tonight for your words of promise we know the service may have been a little bit different Lord we just yielded ourselves to your spirit to deliver the way that you have given it to us but Father I believe firmly in that word I, for one, Lord, needed to hear these things tonight. Seems like life sends us down a spiraling, spiraling road and seems like there's no end to some, some of the trials and difficulties and sicknesses that we face. And maybe the doctors don't have answers and this one doesn't have answers. But God, you do the impossible math. You had the answer. And I believe you are the answer tonight, Lord. You're the answer to every heart here locally, to every heart out there on the stream, those that would archive the service, you have the answer. Satan, be careful.
You're picking on God's bride. You're picking on the anointed, the elect of God. And God, it's a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation. God, I'm asking tonight that you begin to pour out tribulation on the enemy who's attacked your body, attacked your bride, attacked our young people, attacked our elderly, attacked Brother Ron, Brother Ross, Brother Jerome, Sister Marilyn, different ones. The enemies attacked them in their old age. But God, we ask tonight through the anointing of your spirit that you begin to pour out tribulation, Lord. Be an enemy to our enemies, Father. Be an adversary to our adversary. Build us up into a heavenly atmosphere, God. We come to every service, Lord, with an expectation. No matter how we feel, no matter what we go through, Lord, we're going to praise you, Father, because you're worthy. We ask these things tonight, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. He's got it all in control. Oh